0: Welcome to The Amazing Nerd Show, now uploading 360 no-scope video. Strap in folks, the nerds have arrived, bringing you the ultimate nerd podcast. Nerds, the worlds of gaming, horror, TV, and film, have collided right here. This will be your finest hour. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is The Amazing Nerd Show. All right, this week's podcast. We're going to be talking all the latest
1: Star Wars, Marvel, and horror news. And Christian's also going to be sharing his thoughts on the first two episodes of Halo season two.
0: Plus, we've got the latest WrestleMania drama and highlights from AEW. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some Amazing Nerd Show swag. Also, if you'd like to further support the Amazing Nerd Show, make sure to check out our Patreon in the show notes. Or go to patreon.com slash Show. But with that said... Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered
1: reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions.
0: Warning, potential spoilers for upcoming shows and movies ahead. Check time stamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. Okay, up first it looks like we finally have confirmation on who will be the MCU's Mr. Fantastic. The SAG-AFTRA Foundation website this week listed Pedro Pascal to be a officially working on the Fantastic Four this year. Disney and Marvel themselves have not come out to announce or debunk what was posted by SAG, but it just seems all but assured that Pedro is lined up to play Reed Richards in the MCU. Well, to top things off, uh, Fantastic Four director Max Shakeman actually
1: shared the story on his Instagram and then like a day later, completely deactivated his account, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I'm going to say where there's smoke, there's most definitely fire here. Uh, I mean, it's the ultimate daddy being Marvel's number one daddy. So it, it makes sense <laughs> on paper, I guess. But uh, I don't know. Like, I won't lie. Like, like, as of this moment, it doesn't feel like a great fit to me. But Pedro is a great actor, so I know he'll probably kill it and make the character's
0: own. So I'm cool with it. Yeah, I definitely expected someone that might play a more typical, like awkward, you know, character that maybe then like, you know, what I've seen from Pedro. So I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, he's got the range to pull it off though. I think part of the problem
1: is the last couple roles that I've seen from Pedro was, you know, Joel from The Last of Us and, you know, The Mandalorians. So Uh, right now it just doesn't feel like it makes sense, like it doesn't equate to me, but he's got the chops to do it, so I'm not worried at all. I mean, if you've seen the guy in interviews, he's definitely got the awkward thing down, right?
0: yes in interviews but I'm just saying the roles that he's yes. done have always been more confident right. I agree
1: yeah I was watching something with him um, and I was like this this is Joel like this just like a completely different person but I guess that's fucking acting right Alright, well moving on, uh, up next we've got some casting
0: news for Daredevil Born Again. Deadline reports this week that Jenea Walton of Candy Cane Lane fame has been casted as a series regular on Daredevil Born Again. She is said to be playing a journalist with ties to a character in the Netflix series, which has led many to you know speculate if she is either the daughter or granddaughter of Ben Urich. Who in the first season of the netflix daredevil series was a reporter looking to take down kingpin of course that didn't end you know too well for him so i think one of the bigger mistakes that the netflix daredevil series
1: made was killing off ben um so maybe this new character could kind of fill that role um because like i don't know like ben especially in the comics was always kind of like a moral compass for Daredevil, you know, kind of his like Jim Gordon if you will. I mean, there were just so many great stories that came out of that relationship, so when they killed him, it just it felt like a huge waste. Um so regardless of this character being related to Ben like I'm i'm totally cool with like her like filling that role also before we move on uh we had some uh photos leaked from the set of daredevil this past week uh showing off both the costumes for daredevil and bullseye uh christian what were your thoughts
0: i mean i don't have an issue with daredevil's costume um i think bullseyes it it feels like there's a lot missing from it from the images. like it feels like Almost like there could be a CGI element to his costume, in my opinion, but I don't know what that would be.
1: So apparently it's based on one of his more recent comic book appearances. Um, It's definitely more tactical looking, uh, but like in the comics, he does have the Bullseye logo on the suit. Um, But I'm wondering if they're gonna go without that, because if you look at Daredevil's suit, like it's not like he has the double D on his chest either
0: no so and he's never
1: really rocked that so i'm wondering if they're trying to just go more practical with this look um i'm not a big fan of that just because like part of the reason why he has the target on his head is because he's fucking insane right he's like daring people to try to take him out yeah so i'm hoping (laughs) we eventually get to his more classic look um But I guess we'll have to wait and see because right now he looks more like Beachhead from G.I. Joe to me. Um, And I I just I haven't read the book that this version of the costume comes from, so it it just doesn't connect. (laughs) Mm. Um, Now, when it comes to Daredevil, I guess I'm fine with the look. I mean, it's definitely redder than the Netflix series, Um, just brighter in general. It also has that, I don't know, it looks a little muscly. Like, it's got that, like, 90s superhero movie vibe going for it. Uh, so that's a choice, definitely. And maybe it's just the way, like, the photo's angled or something like that. And this is also, like, a Mm -hmm. stunt double, I'm guessing. So, I mean, maybe this isn't, like, the finished
0: look. Like, I can't imagine it being, like, that much different than what we saw in Echo. You know, like, I feel like maybe if it's just the lighting and the coloring hasn't been done yet, you know, in the post. Yeah, so. no, that's true. That's true. And once
1: again, this is a stunt double. So maybe the suit does mm-hmm. have extra padding for the stunt that he's about to do. Yeah. Because it, it definitely doesn't have that more like streamlined, you know, silhouette that, you
0: know, Daredevil's suit typically has. It's probably not the final suit either. You know, we got to get to the last episode where he's going to get another upgraded right. suit. This is so. an MCU show officially. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, that's going to happen. Ooh, maybe they'll go with like the black armor look. That'd be awesome. That's totally fucking (laughs) nineties. But it would definitely be more practical, honestly. So, I mean, a lot of people shit on that look back in the day. Um, I think it was probably one of the least offensive, like nineties upgrades that they pulled off in Marvel, but I get it. Like it it was very nineties just to like armor everyone up, you know, and then like maybe like throw a leather jacket on top of it. That, That was a thing for a while. Like all the Avengers for some reason were rocking leather jackets at one point. Um, I don't know, it was the 90s, it was a crazy time. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Lots of pockets too, that was a thing. Lots and lots of pockets. All right, up next, we got some good
0: news for fans of The Boys. With season four of The Boys scheduled for this year, sources from the Hollywood North Buzz claimed that season five could begin production as early as April. Um, with them claiming filming would begin April 8th to August 22nd, um, which should hopefully lead to a 2025 release after season four is done airing. Well, we also have some Star Wars news in the form of a release date for the Mandalorian and Grogu film. During a quarterly earnings call, Disney CEO Bob Iger confirmed that the Mandalorian and Grogu film is looking at a 2026 release. And recently on Disney's release calendar, they saved a spot for May 22nd for a Star Wars project. Disney also slated two other dates for Star Wars as well, with a film set to release December 18th, 2026, and then one December 17th, 2027 which we know of two other projects outside the Mandoverse that are currently in the works, like the Ray film coming from the director Obey Chinoy and the Dawn of the Jedi film being directed by James Mangold. Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of people are pegging
1: the Ray film for the December 2026 release, uh, but we know how these things work. I mean, I won't allow myself to get excited until the films are actually in production, uh, because at this point, we've been burned before by announcements for films that never actually happen, uh, (laughs) especially from the Star Wars camp. Uh, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I'm happy that the franchise is headed back in the theaters because, like, while I love, like, most of the Disney Plus series, like, Star Wars belongs on the big screen, though. Like, you know, it's a fucking space odyssey. Uh, and there's just nothing like the buzz you get from seeing a Star Wars film opening weekend,
0: at least for me. I mean, I'm excited for potential like December releases every year again. Um, and I'm wondering if, you know, since there's a trend of the you know one coming out in 2026 and the one coming out in 2027, if the uh, like conclusion of the Mandalorian story could be 2028. I mean, maybe it, it, it feels like there's
1: a lot of loose ends still to tie up, though. Um, because we know we're going to be getting a season two of Ahsoka, uh, and there, there's still that rumor that we might be getting a season four of the Mandalorian on top of a a film. So, and then you've got, you know, the skeleton crew factor, like, is there going to be multiple seasons of that? Uh, so I don't know, like 2028 might be too soon for Filoni to like deliver his big opus, you know, tying up.
0: His felony verse if you will. I don't know. You're asking a lot for me to wait until my late 30s <laughs> Ugh, for the conclusion how, of this how the story. How do you think I feel, Christian? <laughs> I mean, by the time all this comes out, I might be a fucking senior citizen. So, um, yeah. Also for Star Wars this week, we got an update for Andor Season 2, as Diego Luna posted on Instagram that they just finished shooting the season. Um, we will most likely have to wait until next year, As Lucasfilm has yet to announce an actual release date for this next installment but with that said let's go ahead and move on to some horror news as we might have gotten a synopsis for the next texas chainsaw rumor has it a new texas chainsaw massacre is in the works called texas chainsaw legacy according to scooper daniel richmond sources Um, they gave the following synopsis for the film Texas Chainsaw Legacy delves into the tranquil facade of Oasis Oaks, a gated community nested in a rural Texas area. Amidst the meticulously manicured lawns and vigilant security protocols, our protagonist's family epitomizes suburban bliss. However, lurking just beyond the confines of this idyllic enclave lies an abandoned property home to the infamous Leatherface and his macabre kin. As chaos descends upon Oasis Oaks, ordinary families are against the savage Sawyers in a harrowing battle for survival, where the lines between good and evil blur in a chilling confrontation of familial horrors. Right now, it's unclear if this is going to be a continuation of the Netflix film or if it's going to be another reboot. (laughs) Someone was getting paid by the
1: word, apparently. Uh, (laughs) That was like a fucking outline. That wasn't just a synopsis. Holy shit. Um, It's honestly not bad, though. It's definitely a different take on the series, which I, I feel like would hopefully freshen things up. I mean, whatever they do, I, I just hope that they can get the franchise back on track. Um Like, part of me thinks that they just need to take things back to basics, though, Uh to really, like, capture the spirit of the original film. Uh The, the last couple entries just hasn't really done it for me at all, and I don't know. I think part of it's, like, ever since the, like, early 2000 remakes, like, I feel like the films have just been, like, too polished almost. Um, and I just I just miss that grit from, like, you know, the first, like, three films. Um, like, part of me feels like they, they need to almost go back to, like, just, like, a bare-bones production. You know, a smaller budget. And, like, just keep it focused on you know, Leatherface and his family of lunatics and a group of teenagers. Like, I don't know, like why reinvent the wheel
0: here? I'm sure it's like the studios who know like the prestige behind, you know, the character at this point are just like, you know, throwing money at it and hoping, you know, that their big budgeted projects do something, you know, in the grand scheme. But I, I agree, I, I would love to see them, someone take this film and go way back how it originally was and make a more gritty just you know gross movie about teenagers going into a house getting slaughtered by this family yeah i mean i don't know so like the last three films we had the weird 3d film that
1: came out Mm -hmm. like probably over 10 years ago at this point um that actually did okay at the box office surprisingly um but it wasn't any good and then we had this like direct dvd origin story that wasn't really connected to anything it was kind of like its own thing but like once again like it felt almost too polished um you know for my likings uh Mm. and then you know we have this last film that you know was by you know produced by fede alvarez so i was pretty excited about it but like it had this weird message about like social media and like it it was like the fact that like i even brought up a message You know, when talking, when talking about a Texas Chainsaw (laughs) Massacre movie, like, that's your first problem. Like, come on. (laughs) Like, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't need some fucking high concept message. I don't even know what he was trying to fuck up. Like, there was shit about gun control happening and politics. Mm. Like, no, let's step back and like, I don't know. It just felt like he lost the plot, you know? So, I don't know, man. Like... Just give me fucking Leatherface and his goddamn chainsaw, and I feel like, you know, all will be right in the world. Well, speaking of Saws, it looks like we have a Saw 11 update, Christian.
0: Play Disgusting got an exclusive this week when it learned that the Saw veteran Kevin Croutier will be back to direct Saw 11. Currently, Saw should be heading towards production or even in production uh, because the film is set for September 27th, 2024. All right, lastly, we've got news on what's next for the Evil Dead franchise. Deadline reports that Sam Raimi and Rob Tappert of Ghost House Productions have hired on Sebastian Vanasek, who recently directed Infested, to be on for the next Evil Dead spinoff film. It's believed going forward that Sam Raimi and company plan to pick out, you know, up-and-coming directors to do their own takes on the Evil Dead franchise. I don't know, I think
1: it's cool that Raimi's giving talented young directors a chance to make a name for themselves using you know the film that you know helped him get his name on the map um you know i mean there's a synergy there uh, i loved evil dead
0: rise uh saw them all for more entries from the franchise exactly i mean who wouldn't love an opportunity to do one of these films it's just gory good time. Also, this just in, as of editing the show, it looks like director Dan Trechenberg is back for more Predator as he's set to work on a new standalone film in the franchise called Badlands. Trechenberg has reportedly co-written the script with Patrick Azon, who also worked on Prey with him. Uh, This project though is completely separate to Prey, which still has a sequel in the works continuing on with the star Amber Mid-Thunder as its lead. Additionally, there was an update for Season 2 of Peacemaker as James Gunn answered questions online about the future of the series, reconfirming that it's still very much in the works, and went as far to let us know that characters like Adabeo. Arcourt and Economist are still set to return with Jennifer Holland, Steve Hagee, and Danielle Brooks reprising their respective parts. And then over at HBO, it looks like they have signed on Matt Tolman, who's one of the writers for the Batman Part 2, and is going to be working on another Game of Thrones spin-off series focusing on Aegon the Conqueror's Conquest, which would again be another like a further prequel than the House of the Dragon show that we just got. This, of course, adds to a long list of series that are in active development. For game of thrones i mean we know that there's going to be a Jon snow show and another prequel series um coming out as well uh but the next thing that's coming is of course going to be the second season of house of the dragon which is going to be airing this august all right christian since we're talking about horror uh this past week we also got a
1: trailer for a quiet place day One. All right, so this film stars Lupita Nyong'o and Joseph Quinn, Uh and it looks pretty fucking amazing. Uh, this is pretty much everything I wanted to see in uh, part two. Uh You know, we got a taste of that, right, in the first like 10 minutes, but mm-hmm. uh, we see Lupita, she's walking in a big city, it's really loud, all of a sudden shit starts falling out of the sky and, you know, chaos ensues. Uh, you know, we see the creatures, you know, jumping through traffic briefly. And then it's just a bunch of flashes of, you know, characters hiding, characters getting thrown, cars being thrown, just insanity. Um, Really had that like old school disaster film feel going for it, you know, tied up with like an alien invasion type story. So I don't know, man, this is definitely in my wheelhouse. This time around, we're not following the Abbots. Um, You know, we're with a different group of characters. I mean, we already saw what happened with the Abbots on their day one. Uh, so, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool that we're getting a different group of characters in a different setting uh, when basically the world ends. With the Abbotts, they're in a smaller town. This is a, a big city. I don't know if it's supposed to be New York, uh, but it guarantees a lot more fucking chaos going down. <laughs>
0: so, and that's exactly what you want from a film like this yeah i mean that was definitely one of the more exciting parts of the second film was getting to see like how people first reacted to it um i do say when i saw this trailer i felt like i was almost looking at a cloverfield film though at the same time like it almost felt like the same premise of when the monster first arrives and it got its little pods thrown out which is not it's not upsetting at all but it's just like it just felt interchangeable in title (laughs) i guess
1: but you can get that vibe from any like alien invasion uh. film you know <laughs> or monster movie so I, I i'm fine with that i, I mean at, at least we're not going to be dealing with some fucking shaky cam found footage bullshit right Yes. Yeah. so mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know i i think this looks great uh joseph quinn is you know the hollywood it boy right now so i'm sure this is going to be the first of many films we're going to see him featured in in the next couple of years which isn't necessarily a bad thing uh, I haven't seen a bad movie yet with Lapita. I know you're gonna bring up the little preschool zombie film. I still say that wasn't that I'm bad, not you were up. gonna bring it up, I saw that <laughs> twinkle in your eye. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm excited for this movie because I keep on forgetting that it's even a thing. Uh, uh-huh. so, what was, the, what was the date on this? Yeah, it'll be coming out June 28th. So do you think eventually the series will go back to the Abbott family?
0: I mean, it's possible. I mean, if this is a, this could be a proof of concept to do like a million, like what, what if scenarios, it could
1: be like an anthology series where you just keep Mm -hmm. on following different groups of, you know, people and seeing their reaction or how they're surviving, you know, their, their reaction to day one or, you know, how they've survived so far. I mean, you could really take the concept in so many different directions if you wanted to, um, You know, or even eventually tell like a bigger scope film where, you know, it's about how they finally like defeat the aliens. Um, I don't know, because I mean, they they kind of like in the second film, like they figure that
0: out, right? Yeah, they pretty much know how to kill them. So, I I mean, it's Hollywood, so they'll definitely want to probably go back to the Abbott family just because, you know, it's a success in their eyes. Right,
1: right. I'm sure. And especially if this film's successful. So, but hey, I mean, if there's still meat on the bone, there's still meat on the bone. So... I'm interested as long as they're coming up with, you know, more creative stories.
0: And now for the nerds' reactions to the premiere of Halo Season 2. Spoilers ahead.
2: We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. And the battle ends. They just call it a victory. And say it was because of me. Cause of something i did or something you are something you can't see but you feel it.
0: halo season one in my eyes was a very flawed show that not only Irritated me as a fan of the source material, but also did very little to inspire any joy in the different direction that they were you know taking this property. The main thing I enjoyed from it though was its willingness to give us you know some brutal fight scenes. But overall, from its tone to its lack of nuance in general, I couldn't really get behind the first season, and I came into this second one with very low expectations. But I have to say, you know, the premiere of Halo Season 2 wasn't all bad. Um, This second season, as we know from the trailers and um, the first two episodes here, is going to tackle one of the most tragic battles in Halo with an adaptation of what went down on Reach. And from the very opening, you can feel a massive tone shift compared to the first season with the new creative team behind it. You know, there's just a little bit more seriousness to everything that was going on, but Chief, while still. Way too much out of his own armor, you know, for my liking, has had Cortana removed from his head and is dealing with the impending war. While, you know, the new leaders of the UNSC are doing their best to keep the status quo and pretend that the Covenants aren't the threat that they really are. Master Chief after, you know, encountering a squad of elites attacking a comms relay believes that the Covenant are training for a bigger attack. And while the powers that be refuse to allow him and Silver Team to investigate, Chief takes it into his own hands and, you know, begins pushing his squad hard to train them for a war he believes is coming. Um, you know, I really enjoyed this angle so far, but I still do feel like the show sometimes hits us over the head with how Master Chief is feeling. Um, I don't really need him to telegraph every thought he has, and I think the show would be better off making the character a little bit more subtle and, you know, letting us come to our own conclusions as to where his head is at. On top of that, I wasn't the biggest fan of how the show already showed him, you know, missing Cortana. But I know, you know, what. Parts of the games and storyline from Halo that they're you know trying to play off of. I just think his longing for Cortana hasn't yet been earned by this show. Um, there are several side plots you know this season as as we see what Quan is up to you know now that she's on the you know space pirates you know area. And soren is of course on a quest to find halsey halsey is also in a bit of a pickle herself but i'm not convinced that the halsey that we're seeing this season so far is the real halsey and not another clone also the whole inhibitor chip thing with silver team feels like that's just kind of being swept under the rug or at least made a little bit less important this time around as everyone is just openly talking about it. And while I understand their reasoning is that like the whole program was a cruel experiment by Halsey. I'm also surprised that, the you know, the new Halsey, AKA James Ackerson, isn't interested in getting Silver Team back on those chips or pills. Um, but again, this is only the first two episodes and it's left me with plenty of questions that I'm interested in seeing actually be answered by the show. And that's a good thing. I just hope that the show's story doesn't unravel in a way that makes me you know, dread the journey that I've been on. It's just another one of those shows that seems to have an issue with the whole I show me, don't tell me aspects. And that was one of the biggest issues of season one. So far, the tone here and everything that we're getting has been a little bit more show me. So I'm, I'm happy in that regard. But like I said, Master Chief is is you know a little too expressive compared to what I know the character could achieve if he was a little bit less expressive and I think it would actually help the story overall but again that's just my opinion um to get into kind of the action of this um, we did get a great opening battle um it's it felt like something you would have seen you know straight out of like one of the CGI trailers that we used to get that would promote like Halo 3 you know sometimes. Um, I do get a little bit bothered by the unnatural feeling of movements, you know, that the Spartans just seem to have. Um, but I do understand what they're going for. They are super beings, and they aren't going to actually feel all that natural at all times. I feel like that's what they're going for, at least, and not that it's just a bad CGI, you know, element that they're working with. At least that's what I'm hoping. But you know, it is clearly, you know, CGI Spartans versus CGI elites. And if that kind of thing bothers you, then the show might not be for you there but i will say the whole sequence you know getting to see elite use you know plasma swords and use their invisibility um it's always cool to see the game elements actually in live action and that's one of my favorite parts about the first season and this was a you know big you know showcase of that you know getting to see the shotgun in action and stuff like that so that always makes me pop but at the same time i'm still you know i i I wasn't too happy with the way that the story played out, and I got fooled by that first few episodes of the first season the same way that I, I feel like right now, where I was excited based off of a couple of cool action sequences. So I'm hoping for the best, but I'm gonna you know, come into this one a little bit more tempered. The rest of the season is going to be going until March 21st, so I will give my final review for it after the finale. But for now, um, I would love to know your thoughts on Halo season two. To let us know at amazing nerd show on social media and now it's time for christian's corner yeah! well this week in gaming big changes could be on the horizon as the gaming giant xbox is rumored to be considering changing their business model from a first party exclusive style to more of a third party you know software focused company, meaning that all Xbox-exclusive games could become third-party titles for PC, PlayStation, and more. Sources over at The Verge and Forbes believe that games like Starfield, Hi-Fi Rush, and even Gears of War could become available over on PlayStation in the upcoming years, and that the future releases like Indiana Jones could also be made available for other companies. This has left many Xbox fans, and more specifically Xbox console owners, confused as you know what does this actually mean for the value of owning you know one of these consoles where the whole purpose was to fucking have exclusives <laughs> many like me are also wondering if this is just microsoft trying to make you know a bigger move towards you know game pass and having that be you know the future of xbox you know game pass just being available on every single device including playstation you know they seem to desperately want game pass to be a success uh microsoft this generation around has clearly been the third place company, you know, behind Sony and Nintendo. And, you know, could this be what pushes them to change their entire business model? Well, we might actually get some answers to that pretty soon as Xbox and Microsoft took to X to say that they're going to have an event this upcoming week to kind of further explain what's going on with, you know, the future of Xbox. As someone who's grown up throughout all the console wars and such, um, it's incredibly weird to, you know, have the idea of even just the end of Xbox exclusivity. Like it's just been something so ingrained, I think in all of us players to expect that Xbox and PlayStation are going to have their own separate games. Like I can't imagine playing Halo on a PlayStation. Like that just sounds like sacrilege (laughs) at this point. But there's a shit ton of money in doing that um and from a business standpoint especially after you know purchasing franchises like call of duty you have to imagine the amount of money on the table to make by making all these games you know available for everyone um would make Microsoft a shit ton of money. I just don't know if the exclusivity factor has done enough for them to make them want to do that anymore. You know, That could be what's pushing them towards this. I mean, of course, money is always going to be the driving force for companies like this. Yeah, it's it's wild to imagine seeing these games show up on a PlayStation. Great for PlayStation owners, though. I mean, geez, uh, if there was ever a reason for them to want to pick up an Xbox, they wouldn't need it anymore. That's for sure. I know me personally. Um, I don't have an Xbox. I have just a PC and a PS5, and I use my PC to play all the Xbox games because you know they made it available there. And I have to imagine if they are available on PlayStation, I wouldn't even have to worry about them on the PC either. We will, you know, talk about this more next week as Xbox puts out, you know, further statements other than that there were a couple other short stories i wanted to mention like uh there was something that we missed last week which was that the last of us part three is in the works um neil Druckmann has come out during you know this making of the last of us part two video that came out on youtube and he claimed that you know his team may have an actual idea for what the next game is going to be about and but to not expect it during this console generation so it's clearly in early, early development, and we might not even see it until after PlayStation 6 comes out. As he said, there's clearly a through line that he has in mind um, for what a part three would be um, that would probably conclude all these stories um, entirely. So we'll see what happens there. And lastly, Assassin's Creed Red, the next title for the franchise, is set in feudal Japan, um, could be coming out spring next year in March, um, according to sources over at Video Game Chronicles. Uh, gaming-wise, for me, I'm still aiming for Tuesday the 13th, but there's a couple audio fixes and things I still need to work out on my end um, to get you know the new you know Twitch setup perfect so we'll see if I you know get that done on time if anything I'll just have to push it towards the weekend to actually get into it it's gonna be a busy uh, weekend right now for myself uh so I'm trying to figure out if I have enough time to get everything set up properly but we'll I'll let you guys know make sure to just follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on social media and I'm gonna be posting a couple updates um over the weekend about what's going on on you know the twitch side of things you know there's a game called banagers ghost of new eden coming out that I really want to play so I will see if I can get that going for the stream. Uh, but that's currently what's going on there. Um, if you have any questions, just shoot it at me at Live on Twitter. But with that said, let's go ahead and move on to some wrestling.
2: You're embarrassing your entire family now. You, just understand this. You're irrelevant, just like your dad. Fa- Here you are. Here you are talking about family, is that what the bloodline is? Let me ask you a question, how's Jay? (laughs) It's not a family, you're a meal ticket and they are nothing but lackeys, but yes men. They're goons. And what is this match all about right here? Who sits at the head of the table? What does it matter when neither of you have been doing any of the cooking for two years? Earlier, we had that family tree up there. And you've invoked my father before, so let me go ahead and do the same. If your grandfather was here, if the high chief, his grandfather was here, they'd be ashamed of you.
1: All right, Christian, so last week uh, I was out sick, so we didn't get a chance to talk wrestling. Uh, fortunately for us, we didn't really miss anything, right? Not really. <laughs>
0: it all happens this right. week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, that's not true, Christian. Uh, we had the Royal Rumble happen, and, you know, it happened. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't the best Rumble ever, uh, which is unfortunate because I was actually really excited for the card uh they just had so many like great storylines going um but then the bell rang uh both rumble matches were kind of lackluster i think between the two the women's was probably the better match uh but it was still kind of a i don't know dumpster fire at times just really clunky but it had like the bigger moments i would say uh, luckily the right person, I felt, won the Rumble, which was Bailey. And we found out a week later that she would be facing fellow stablemate, uh, Eos Sky. after she heard them plotting against her. Uh, it was a very Batista moment. But then, uh, you know, the men's Rumble happened, um, and Cody walked away the winner, which was the result I think most of us wanted. Uh, CM Punk, unfortunately... Uh, got injured during the match. It wasn't his best showing, but I, I'm guessing part of it's just, you know, due to the injury. Uh, because, you know, at the time I was like, oh my gosh, he's fucking sucking wind. Like, he he's definitely blown up. But, um, you know, he, he was even taking like one-legged bumps. Like, it looked like he was scared to mm-hmm. fall. And, you know, that's when I started wondering if like something's wrong. Uh, but then a couple days later, after the Rumble, we found out that was the case. Uh, he tore his other tricep. Uh, so, yeah, no, he's going to be out for at least, it looks like, six to nine months. Uh, which definitely sucks, because I was looking forward to seeing him face off against Seth uh, at WrestleMania. Uh, and that's that's where they were definitely headed. Uh, but then, you know, I took solace in knowing that at least, you know, we're going to see Cody finish his story at WrestleMania. But then f- flash forward to just about a week later, uh, and I'm sitting on my couch and Cody comes out and he literally hands over his spot at WrestleMania <laughs> to Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um now if you listen to the show you know, my prediction was that the rock was going to come out and win the Royal rumble and face off against Roman mm-hmm. Reigns, because that's what all the kind of chatter was behind the scenes, you know, on all the big, like news sites that Dwayne was kind of like politicking to, you know, get that spot. And it seemed like a lot of like the WWE higher ups were, was trying to angle him into maybe like a Saudi match or something else, uh, or maybe even waiting to the following year. But nope, that's not what happened at all. Like literally Cody came out, got in Roman's face and then announced The Rock. Uh, He told Roman that, you know, he's not done with him and that he's going to finish the story, just not at WrestleMania. We even got a shot of Rock and Cody shaking hands, a little bro hug. Cody walked off staring behind his shoulder like a sad puppy almost (laughs) after, you know, their owner leaves them at a kennel. Um, and you know, the rock went on to, you know, stand toe to toe with Roman as we faded to black. So man, uh, what happened next was pretty much, you know, wrestling Twitter and, you know, the internet in general, just, Going into a tailspin. Um, it was just absolute fucking chaos. Uh, the hashtag we want Cody trended for like something like five days straight. Um, Jesus. And it seemingly caused WWE to actually pivot. Um, on Raw, Monday, all of a sudden became very open-ended. Uh, they started talking about how Cody had yet to make his decision, even though we clearly saw him make his decision on SmackDown, um, which was handing his spot over to fucking Rocky, which makes no fucking sense whatsoever. And I still don't understand what, <laughs> what happened here. But regardless, all of a sudden, Michael Cole was kind of like gaslighting us into believing that Cody had yet to make his decision, even though we clearly... Once again, heard him say that he's going to finish the story, just not at WrestleMania,
0: which I don't yeah. know about you, Christian. To me, that sounds like a decision, right? Yeah. I, I was like, oh, is he going to do it at SummerSlam then? I, like, what's going right. to happen? Like, Because people are like, oh,
1: is it going to be at the Elimination Chamber, like before, you know, WrestleMania? Or maybe you're right. Like, maybe it'll be at SummerSlam. Um but yeah, no, I think they caught wind of the reaction. Uh, I mean, literally during the Cody segment on Raw, we had a Rocky Sucks chant. Um, so yeah, fans weren't happy. And it wasn't just a vocal minority, this was the majority of WWE fans um, seemingly pretty upset about, you know, hey, a wrestler that they've been watching for a year on this journey back to the world title at WrestleMania seemingly randomly just handing over his spot to, I mean, let's face it, a guy who hasn't wrestled in over 12 years. Uh, I mean, nothing gets the rock. I mean, the guy's a fucking legend and he's one of the reasons why I'm as big of a wrestling fan as I am today. Uh, but I mean, he's in his 50s. Uh, yes, there is a story between The Rock and Roman. And I could understand why the company would want that in their main event of WrestleMania. But the fact that they had Cody fucking win the Royal Rumble first <laughs> and then hand over a spot to you know The Rock made no fucking sense whatsoever. And the fact that they've been building Cody up. You know, mm. after having him lose last year at WrestleMania, which was still in my mind a huge fucking mistake. Um, but building him up, building up over the year, and then to have him just hand off, hand over a spot to fucking The Rock just was mind numbing to me. Um, so I, I understood the outrage because I think it would have been a different story. I think people would still be mad, don't get me wrong, but I think it'd be a different story if The Rock actually entered the rumble and won it because at least logically you can make sense of that. You know, he he's at least earned his spot. It'd be very similar Mm -hmm. to what Cody did last year. Right. Um, but yeah, this made no sense. I mean, Cody handing over a spot made him feel lesser than to the rock. Right. And to the story. So like, once again, I understood their outrage. Um, I don't know. Um, Now, I will give WWE credit for reading the room and actually pivoting. Um, What they pivoted to, uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, We're recording this on Thursday. Uh, We just had the press conference a couple hours ago. Um, Yes. It wasn't much of a press conference. It was almost like a mini Raw without wrestling. It was weird. Uh, But it looks like Cody versus Roman is back on. Uh, And The Rock has actually sided with Roman. It was very bizarre. And there's no way this was the original fucking plan. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Because there are a lot of people out there (laughs) saying, oh, they've been working you the entire time. I was like, this story makes no sense. Like, absolutely Mm -hmm. no sense whatsoever. So at the press conference that, you know, took place in Vegas, which is smart booking logistically by WWE because that's where the Super Bowl is this weekend. Um, So you're getting the most eyes possible on on your product. We had Seth Rollins hit the stage, which I totally left him out of the story because I think he's probably the worst off out of everyone. Um, You know, your world champion on the Raw brand who on SmackDown last week just got absolutely buried for no reason whatsoever by Roman making this title that you know Rollins has been building up for the past year feel so insignificant that it, it almost it feels like it's an afterthought like it doesn't matter anymore I mean Roman was calling him his little brother uh telling Cody that he should go after the secondary title the uh, you know t- challenge in the loser bracket <laughs> he was <laughs> You mentioned how he beat everyone that was, like, you know, chasing after that title. Like, it was a burial. Like, it was awful. I was like, why would Mm -hmm. WWE approve this? It was very bizarre. Um, But anyway, Rollins came out at this press conference and wanted to know Cody's decision. Which, once again, I was like, we already heard Cody's decision on SmackDown. I don't know why you guys are trying to pretend that we did not hear this, but... Whatever. Um, Out came Roman. Roman and Rollins went back and forth for a little bit, and then out came The Rock. Uh, Roman said that, I'm going to make the decision. It's my decision. He chose The Rock. The Rock came out. The Rock and Roman went back and forth. The Rock, who was getting a mixed reaction, to say the least, by this crowd... Uh, all of a sudden pulled out a PowerPoint presentation on their family tree, which was bizarre and a little awkward. Um, it didn't feel like he got the reaction that he was
0: expecting either. Um, just having his whole family booed, yes, essentially. Yes, right. <laughs> um, but
2: yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, he was getting the what chant too, which I mean, mm. he was trying to go with, but it it Yeah. It it wasn't working, uh. But then you know, I, I mean, he I think he knew he was going to get a mixed reaction. He even went on some radio show earlier, uh. Pat McAfee's it was it's the yeah, Pat McAfee show. Yeah. show, yeah. And he he was kind of playing that heel role and everything, and he was trying to get the hashtag uh, Cody Crybabies trending, and I actually think he succeeded. Um, but so I think I mean they obviously knew what direction they were headed in and everything like that. Um, but yeah. The PowerPoint thing, though, I still don't think went over the way he thought it was going to
2: go for.
1: (laughs) But uh, all of a sudden we heard that's bullshit. uh, And it was none other than Cody Rhodes walking onto the stage. Um, Long story short, he made the announcement that he's made his decision and he's challenging Roman Reigns. Uh, They went back and forth a little. Rock got offended by what Cody was saying about uh, Roman and uh, his family because that's his family. He got in Cody's face and then he actually slapped Cody. All the, you know, WWE higher ups, Triple H, both GMs got in between. There was a little bit of a pull apart, but not enough for my liking. Um, I would have liked to see Cody go like actually after The Rock because yet again, Mm -hmm. I felt like. I don't know, like, you had a man slap you in the face, like, it did, It just didn't shine the best light on Cody, Um which is unfair, because they did jump in the middle right away, but still, like, I mean, he was already humiliated last week on SmackDown when he handed over his fucking spot to The Rock, so then to have the man slap him in the face and him not being able to get a response back... Um just wasn't the best look in the world, and then poor fucking Seth is over here in the corner, just sitting there with his fucking sad-ass title. Um, Roman felt like he was upstaged by The Rock. He almost felt like he was The Rock's henchman in the moment. Like, mm-hmm. The Rock really took center stage. Um, yeah, as
0: far as determining who's the head of the table, it, I mean, it, it just felt like The Rock in right,
1: that situation. Right, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, once all the smoke cleared, uh, The Rock and Roman Seemingly hugged it out and walked off together. Um, backstage, uh, The Rock got in Triple H's face and told him to fix this. Um, you know, and said that he was going to smack uh, Cody's teeth down his throat next time. Uh, so it looks like there's an alliance there. It looks like The Rock is now part of the bloodline, maybe. Um But I don't know, man. I mean, so there are a lot of people speculating that. Also, I failed to mention during the whole melee between The Rock and Cody, Seth actually jumped in the middle and, you know, got in The Rock's face. So it looks like he's involved now somehow. So a lot of people are speculating that maybe we're going to be getting a Cody and Seth versus The Rock and Roman match. And perhaps that might be like part of WrestleMania. That might be like a, you know, night one match. And then we'll get our Cody versus Roman match on Sunday, night two. I don't know. Um, (laughs) This is just a fucking mess. Like, what are we doing? Uh, So I guess the story is behind the scenes. TKO brokered some kind of deal with The Rock, and I'm guessing it might have been part of the deal with him joining the board Um, but they brokered some kind of deal that included him main eventing at Wrestlemania but for some reason they didn't inform WWE's creative um, because up to the rumble and I don't know if this was like they found out the weekend of the rumble or if this is a case of them finding out after the rumble but Up to that point, both Cody and CM Punk were both told that, you know, they would be in the two headlining matches at WrestleMania. Was CM Punk facing off against Seth Rollins on Saturday, uh, you know, for his world title and Cody finishing the story against Roman on Sunday uh, for, you know, whatever the hell they're calling that belt now. I don't even know. It's not the universal title anymore. It's something ridiculous. Uh, But so they were underneath the impression that, you know, that's why Cody was winning the Royal Rumble, which is a fair, you know, assumption. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know when creative, you know, namely Triple H found out about the rock factor. Now, obviously, The Rock teased wanting to be part of WrestleMania when he came out and he, you know, what, like three or four weeks ago, made his whole, like, head of the table, like, crack. Um, But we heard rumors that, you know, it wasn't a sure thing that he would be part of WrestleMania. And it sounded like a lot of people were trying to talk him into doing, you know, that match at another show like Saudi Arabia. Um, But then, like, honestly, like. You know, I know I predicted The Rock, you know, perhaps entering the Royal Rumble and winning, because I understood why they would want that match to be part of WrestleMania, because it is the bigger match scope-wise overall, Um, even though it does kind of upend the story that they've been building over the past year. But, you know, from a corporate level, like, I get it, like, business is business, and that's the bigger match. Um but the fact that they had Cody actually fucking win the Royal Rumble, like, like, once he won the Rumble, it was like, okay, well, I guess Rock Roman's not happening at WrestleMania. Exactly. So, I, I I, just I have no idea what the fuck's going on. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, none of this is really, like, it's exciting because it feels like they're booking by the seat of their pants. But story-wise when you really sit down and look at it on paper, like none of this tracks. Absolutely. Like it, it it doesn't make Cody a bigger baby face whatsoever. And I understand like, Oh, well people are like using that, you know, the we want Cody hashtag and people are, are rallying around him. But at the same time, I feel like it's diminishing his fucking character by having him be this like passive pushover. And I think it eventually will hurt his character. Like right now in the moment, you know, people are rallying behind him. But if you listen during that press conference, you know, especially with The Rock, you know, getting over the whole, you know, Cody crybaby thing. Like Cody was getting a mixed reaction, too. There were Rock fans there. There were Roman fans there. So I feel like in the long run, it's going to actually end up hurting Cody. Um, And then, like, what are you doing to poor Seth? Like, why is he even <laughs> part of this? Like, I don't get it. Because it, by all accounts, there's going to be an Elimination Chamber match to see who gets to face Seth at WrestleMania. So even though if he is part of that tag match that, you know, that people are speculating about with Cody and, you know, Seth teaming up against uh, The Rock and Roman, he's still going to wrestle and defend his title. And, like, all they've done for the past week is shit all over the prestige of that belt. And they've made it feel almost meaningless. And, like, the dude's been working hard to build that thing up over the past, like, you know, year or so. so. (laughs) You know, and then, like, I, I feel like he even hurts Roman, like, because Roman's taking a backseat to The Rock, it feels like. Like, The Rock was front and center during the whole angle they shot tonight. You know, Roman was just kind of in the background. Like, once, like, Cody came out, it everything, like, all the heat went to The Rock. None of it really went to Roman. And even the little backstage segment that they did between uh, The Rock and Triple H, Roman was just kind of like standing there like he was fucking solo or something. I don't know. I just feel like they've made a mess of this. Like, I mean, like I said, it, it, it's it been exciting because we're like, well, what the fuck is happening? And usually like after the Rumble, like you're in this like almost weird seventh inning stretch kind of phase Where you're just like, okay, the match is set, now you're just kind of waiting, you're stalling, you're trying to keep people's interest, but you're, you know, you're two months away, so, (laughs) you know, you got a bunch of little mini, like, TV feuds happening, everything like that, and you're just kind of stalling Mm -hmm. for time. Um, So, I mean, that's one good aspect of all this. But at the same time, like, I just feel like it's, it's just an overbooked nightmare. Um, And you can't tell me it's on purpose. It makes no sense
0: whatsoever. Once again, I oh, don't know. I have people in my life trying to tell me, like, "Oh, this was the plan all along." And it's just like it's it's not possible. No, there, there's no um, way that
1: they're that they're this stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like this feels like Vince is back,
1: and we know he's not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I at least like that. There, it feels like there's an element of realism to how they reacted after the little, you know thing that they did today. Like it feels like they're trying to play fast and loose with, you know, the reality of wrestling versus like just doing typical storytelling. But I, I like if they could play into that more going forward, like playing into the element of the rock now being, you know, part of the board and, and stuff like that, and put that into the storyline, then I think that can that can make it work at least a little bit more. Where you're kind of casting the rock as this like authority figure now.
1: Um like even the way he like talked down to triple H backstage. I mean, it it really felt like that's what they were going for. You know, like him saying, you need to fix this. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not a bad idea, but at the same time, it just feels like Roman and Cody are taking a back seat for the rock. Um, And I still feel like we're going to be getting that Roman Rock match. Um, If anything, maybe they just delayed it for a year. Like I could see something happen in the tag match where like I could see them putting like a stipulation on the tag match, you know, um, which isn't official whatsoever. Um, But where like the winner of the tag match gets the main event that they want for WrestleMania, where if like Cody side wins, then it's going to be Cody versus you know Roman but then if the rock side wins then it's going to be Roman versus the rock the match that the bloodline wants you know for head of the table and then maybe like something happens during the match rock and roman come to odds rock sees the error of his ways and then the next night you have like the rock helping cody like maybe fending off the rest of the bloodline uh so you know cody can actually you know win the belt um You know, I don't want anything where, like, you know, The Rock actually, like, physically assaults Roman. Like, I still want, like, Cody pinning him clean. Uh, But if it's something like where he's protecting, like, Cody against the rest of the Bloodline or something like that, then I'm fine with that. Um, And then that sets up the match for next year's WrestleMania between Roman and The Rock down the line. You know, I could see them doing something like that where, like, hey, we thought, you know, the time was right for this match, but now, after the fans' reaction, we realize we need to let Cody finish his fucking story, and, you know, we'll wait till next year. Um, I mean, The Rock's not getting any younger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, a tag match allows you to protect him, too, because, I mean, the dude was fucking blown up just cutting a promo against Jinder. So, um, <laughs> and I mean, he's got a couple months to get in ring shape, but still... Uh I mean, there's a difference between, you know, ring shape for like a five minute match and ring shape for a good 20 minute match. And, you know, The Rock's going to want to go hard if it's the main event of WrestleMania. Like he's going to want to do like a classic WrestleMania length main event match. So, um, you know, this way he can be in that match. He can do, you know, he'd be at WrestleMania. He can have this, you know, this tag match, be part of the storyline. And then you really set up the long game for, you know, Rock versus Roman. You know, I could see it playing out that way. Um, But once again, that all hinders on this tag match that might not even be happening. I mean, they could also do that tag match at the Elimination Chamber, too. So, because mm-hmm. uh, I do f- find it a little questionable that
0: Roman would want to wrestle two nights in a row. Right? So. Yeah, I mean, that would be a big, you know, match for the Chamber if they wanted to, like bring more eyes to it for right, sure. Right. I just don't know if the rock would want to do something like that.
1: Cause that that's going to air in the States at like seven 30 in the morning or something like that. Mm. So, um, I don't know. It should be interesting to say the least, but it's definitely been a fucking dumpster fire this past week. <laughs> don't let anyone tell you any differently. I mean, <laughs> this isn't good booking, like it it's exciting booking because you have no idea what the fuck's going on, and they just kind of upended uh-huh. their own fucking you know main event scene for WrestleMania, but it still doesn't make any sense to me, and I still worry that in the long run, it's gonna be diminishing returns and that you're really hurting your main event scene, and you're really letting the rocks steal the spotlight from you know three guys who've been on the roster all year. Well, I mean, Roman really hasn't been there all year, but you know what I mean. Two and a half right, guys right. Right. <laughs> on
0: the roster.
1: <laughs> I mean, two full-time guys and one part-time guy. You know, But at least Roman wrestles a handful of times a year. I mean, once again, The Rock hasn't wrestled since fucking Cena 12 years ago. <laughs> so, I mean, he had that 10-second you know- match against Rowan, but come on. That doesn't happen. Mm. Kind of- anyway, how about we pivot? Let's go ahead and talk some AEW briefly. Uh I thought this past week's Dynamite was fucking top 10 worthy. Like it might have been one of their best shows of all time. Uh we started off you know the night with Hangman versus Swerve uh in the third match of their story um and it fucking delivered. Uh this was for the right to face Samoa Joe at the upcoming pay-per-view. Um you know, I mean, we're not going to go, you know, spot for spot, but I mean, pretty much, it ends in a time limit draw, uh, with Swerve mm-hmm. just about to pick up the win against Hangman. Uh, prior to the match, uh, on Collision, we had Swerve come out and say that he didn't want any interference by Prince Nana, that he wanted to beat Hangman clean, uh, which caught uh Prince Nana by surprise, uh, and me by surprise, uh, but. I mean, it was definitely a glimpse of what was to come, which was pretty much a double turn. Um, You know, we had Swerve keeping his word. Um, You know, he prevailed against all odds. He dealt with an injury in the match. He was on one leg, Uh, you know, and fucking Hangman, that dastardly Hangman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was definitely playing up the heel role during the match um, you know he was trying to win at all costs um, not that he was outright cheating or anything like that but he just he had this face on the entire match um, and, and you know part of it was the crowd reaction I mean yes sw- he was feeding off the crowd Swerve, for sure. Swerve was absolutely the favorite here and I think they knew that going mm-hmm. into the match so they're really playing that up Uh, But once they hit that time limit draw, um, Swerve got on the microphone and said five more minutes, and Hangman, to the surprise of everyone, said, no, that's good enough for me. You're not in the world title match at the pay-per-view. That's all he wanted. And I mean, he told us months ago that was his goal. He was going to do what he could to keep Swerve away from the world title he wanted to take that from swerve um it was the, it's the thing that he wants the most i love the storytelling here it, it caught me off guard um it was a complete surprise cuz i didn't see it coming um i i love this unhinged version of hangman um magnum mustache and all uh you know i i just thought this match was really well done of course soon after uh tony khan sent a message to Tony Schiavone stating both men would be facing off against Samoa Joe at the pay-per-view, which just incensed Hangman, (laughs) (laughs) which once again, was a nice touch because it just shows you that at this point, he's so off kilter, so off his rocker that all that matters to him is causing swerve pain. Um, He doesn't care about his own needs anymore it's just all about you know costing swerve what means most to him
0: um you know i i i thought it was great yeah there were several points in this match where like the false finishes were just getting to me i thought you know swerve was going to win several points Um, Hangman was going to win at several points. This was just such a well-put-together match uh, that had me on the edge of my seat the entire time. No, I agree. I agree. After the match, we
1: got a reaction from Samoa Joe, who obviously was not happy. He said, both of these losers definitely don't deserve to be in a match with me. Uh, We're rewarding mediocrity, uh, which I thought was a great line. (laughs) Um, I actually think Joe might walk away still champion at the pay-per-view. Which could lead to another Swerve uh, Hangman match, which I'm totally fine with. (laughs) Uh, And then, you know, the winner of that match will go on and face off against Joe in a one on one match at maybe like the next pay per view. So, and that's where we see like maybe like Swerve win the world title. Um, Mm. You know, which I'm I'm fine with. Like, you know, there's a rumor that there's going to be a pay per view in April. So it's not like we're going to have like a three month wait in between shows or anything like that. Um, you know, and I, I, I'm i fine with Joe having more time with the world title, too. You know, he deserves a little bit of a run
0: here, right? No, because he hasn't even gotten to really fight anyone other than uh, uh, Hulk oh, at this point, which that's it. you would think that maybe you'd yeah. have like a couple of eliminators or something between here and now or here in the pay-per-view or something. But I don't know.
1: Yeah, because the ratings are back, which, I mean, we haven't even had a chance to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, I'm happy that they're back, but at the same time, like, I hope they have a better approach. Because, I mean, if you remember, like, last time when they, you know, did actually do away with them, um, we weren't necessarily sad about it. Uh, because, at you know, it just felt like such a joke. And, like, there were so many people's records that were you'll know, fattened up by dark wins and elevation wins mm-hmm. where there were wrestlers ranked that just felt so undeserving. Um, you know, none of the the wins were weight weighted like, <laughs> you know, to me, like if you get a win against a world champion, that should mean more than like getting a win over Serpentico on dark. Right. So I I, I hope they do more of a power ranking yes. situation here, but Oh, in typical AEW faction like they haven't clarified any of this so and the rankings just came out at the end of the month and you know right away like people were poking holes and you know like why is this person here and what what how's ftr not ranked in the tag division like what it is what it is i mean I'm glad that, like, matches will matter no matter what. Mm -hmm. And the one plus is, like, we don't have Dark and Elevation right now. You know, making these records not make any sense. So every win will have to come from a match on Dynamite and Collision, which will hopefully make all those matches matter, even, like, the smallest, like, glorified enhancement match. So um so you can watch someone go on a streak and it'll mean something. Um, even when it's, you know, like it's opponent that's not necessarily, you know, the biggest name. Um, but I want those, you know, big wins to really mean something. So um I also would love to see a stipulation where like a champion can actually challenge someone, like a little like caveat where like, you know, it's up to the the champion's discretion, like if they accept a challenge, yeah, you know, hmm. I I think that would make sense. I just feel like it'll give you more wiggle room story-wise. Um, if all of a sudden, like Samoa Joe wants to make uh, an example out of someone um, and, you know, decides to put his belt on the line, you know, that way you can have an air of like unpredictability once in a while. But otherwise, the other big story coming out of Dynamite was Sting and Darby capturing the world tag team titles uh, against Big Bill and Ricky Starks. Um, I mean, a lot of people saw this as like a foregone conclusion. Um, I'm not going to lie. I thought there was a chance that the young bucks would actually interfere and in costing in Darby the match, especially, uh, I think it was like a week or so ago where we had the young bucks telling Darby or, you know, saying after a confrontation with Darby that they were going to have to find a different way to get his attention. So, um, I thought that might be where they're headed, um, but that wasn't the case at all. We had a tornado style match. Uh, it was absolutely everything you would expect from a sting match nowadays. We even had your standard, you know, sting balcony spot uh, with sting nearly killing himself. I love the little um, knee check he did after you got back up, you know, just right. <laughs> right. Good stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, long story short. You know, Sting and Darby ended up capturing the titles. Um, there was a nice little story wrinkle there where it looked like Ricky kind of hesitated um uh, when he was about to hit the uh, spear. Um, I think that was a nice touch because it kind of left Ricky some wiggle room, although the idea of Ricky turning again kind of terrifies me. Um, because I mean, he's on the road to rivaling big show with the amount of turns that he's had mm-hmm. over the past year. So um they need to definitely pump the brakes a little and really figure out a direction for this character. Because, I mean, after a while, it's going to be diminishing returns. Like, it's just not going to matter to the audience anymore. Um, But, yeah. I mean, back to Sting and Darby. Um, I'm happy that Sting finally got the tag titles. Um, But I guess the story backstage is that Sting never wanted to hold a championship belt in AEW. Um, But I guess the angle kind of dictates that it is what it is. I think the match would have been fine without the titles. Um, But I I understand, like, if you're doing rankings and you're tracking, like, win-loss records, like, Sting and Darby are undefeated. Exactly. So, you know, it's long overdue. Um have been talking about that but, for
0: over a year. <laughs> yeah, longer than that.
1: Um, but after the match, uh, Sting, you know, had his grown ass men's sons come in the ring to celebrate with them. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Young Bucks struck um, with baseball bats, all in white, um, even the bats uh, just bloodying up Darby. I don't know if Sting got color, but uh, they also took out his sons, which I'm sure is worse in his book. Um, They did bust him open a little bit by the end, but it took a while. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, the all white suits was Mm -hmm. just a real nice mark. Yeah, but it made the all white suits just the perfect choice um, because that visual at the end with them covered, you know, in stinking Darby's blood was just perfect. So, but yeah, I thought this was a great angle, Um, you know, especially to shoot, like, right after Sting and Darby, you know, won the world titles, like, the highest of highs, you know, to the lowest of lows. Um, you know, I think it'll get the Bucks a lot of heat going into the pay-per-view, you know, in Sting's last match. I mean, there's no way. I, I, I got to think that Sting and Darby are winning this match, and Sting is going to retire uh, tag champ. Uh, I know it's unorthodox, but I I just can't see Sting laying down for the Bucks. And I know he's, you know, old school traditionalist, but story wise, he's got to put these Bucks in the ground, right? Like, I mean, Ah. they attacked his sons. So would you be okay with Darby and Sting going over?
0: I would be fine with it, but I I still feel like they're going to give the titles to the Young Bucks um, and they're going to win the match. You know, I I just feel like he wants to go out that way in general.
1: Yeah, I just I don't know, man. It's his retirement match. It's probably going to main events. I mean, I feel like you got to have the guy, you know, riding off to the sunset on on a white horse here. Like, I mean, maybe they can do it in a way where like Sting does the honors, but at the same time gets the last laugh. Right. Um, cause it's not like the Bucks need the rub or anything like that. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. So, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But overall, I thought it was one hell of an angle and it got me really excited
0: for the match of the pay-per-view. Yeah, it was a great way to close the show. Um, After the pay-per-view, though, we did get a big announcement from Tony Khan, and that will be on March 13th. We will have the big business. Uh, they didn't call it a dynamite, but it is on a Wednesday, so... Uh... Uh, yeah, no, it's a dynamite. It's a dynamite, <laughs> so...
1: And yeah, that's the rumored arrival of Mercedes Monet the former Sasha Banks Um, I mean this has been rumored for a while I mean pretty much since the beginning of January um, you know we heard that talks have you know basically cooled off between her and WWE that they were just too far apart money wise Um, so and I mean AEW was originally in the mix a while ago I mean over the summer uh, it seemed like that's where she was going to land they even had her show up at the Wembley show I mean, this is a big deal for AEW. I just hope Tony is invested in truly making the women's division matter in AEW. Um, And he's been doing a better job of late, but, I mean, history tells us that that hasn't always been the case. Um, That the women's division has really been kind of an afterthought, usually, when it comes to the booking in AEW. So... um, you know, you could start by having you know more than one match featured on Dynamite, you know, for the women. Um, you know, we're starting to see that in a collision yes mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, really, you know, make a statement by featuring more women's matches just in general across all your shows, but especially on Dynamite, because we know that's the number one show right now. So like once I start seeing that happen, then I'll truly believe that, you know, Tony's fully invested in, you know, women's wrestling. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean this is a huge get for AEW and could be a game changer potentially. So,
0: I mean like you said, um I've enjoyed a lot of the characters that have been coming out of the women's division with to- timeless Tony Storm, we got Diana perrazzo now. Um and I'm hopeful for that feud to, you know, turn into something good, but I, I- <laughs> Like, he, I don't know. Um, it's worrying, uh, not knowing where they're going to go with uh, Mercedes necessarily the moment she arrives. I mean, she could go up against Paige. That's been kind of a lot of the rumor uh, match that she could have. But um, I don't know. I don't know what would be her very big like first matchup because I can't imagine her going against Tony at this moment. Uh, and I've always imagined Mercedes as more of a heel-like character anyway. Uh, but I, I know that she when she comes to AEW, she'll most likely be res- received as a face at first.
1: Yeah. And I mean, now that they have the rankings too, that's kind of a safeguard against mm-hmm. them, like booking her in a world championship match, like right off the bat. So, um, as far as Tony goes, um, she's on the verge of being a baby face anyway. Like her, re- the reaction that she gets yeah. is pretty much a baby face reaction. So, I don't think you're going to have to do much work there when it comes to like, you know, a storyline that would see, you know, a double turn, if you will. Hmm. Because I agree Mercedes is going to walk in a baby face, but you know, I, she absolutely has heel tendencies and oh, you could 100%. you could see like throughout her career she definitely enjoys playing the heel more than the baby face. So, um <laughs> tell yeah. that to the, Bailey, the, the, you know. Right. <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised too if Tony didn't have to put some kind of guarantees in place to land Mercedes when it comes to the women's division, Mm -hmm. uh, because we know that she's not afraid to speak her mind or to just walk away if she's not satisfied with the way the division's being booked. I mean, that's what happened between her and the WWE. Um, So I'm guessing he had to make some kind of guarantee that, you know, that he's prepared to take women's wrestling seriously.
0: Otherwise, we're going to get another fun press conference uh, with Tony just looking absolutely confused. (laughs) I hope not. Um, Tickets for this should be on sale when you're hearing this episode. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm going to guess it's going to be close to a
1: sellout. I mean, it is her hometown. Well, that does it for this week.
0: As a friendly reminder, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, leave a five star review.
1: It really helps new listeners to find the podcast and for us to continue to
0: grow. Also, if you like the stories from this week's episode and want to keep up to date with the show, follow us on social media at Amazing Nerd Show or stop by TheAmazingNerdShow.com. And hey, to support the show further and get additional
1: weekly content, you can subscribe to us now on Patreon. Just follow the link in the
0: show notes. Also, if you want to rep some nerd show swag, you can head over to tpublic.com to find t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social
1: media, we'll send you some additional nerd show swag as long as you live in the United
0: States. All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest news and rumors in nerd culture. And whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show.